African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us for a new week of uh, African Dialogue. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. And if you're listening to us on our various platforms, remember on DSTV channel, we're on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And uh, don't forget that uh, you can stream us live on our website on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're looking at the issue of uh, the uh, Commission of Inquiry into State Capture. And we know that today is a big day for South Africa as its former president, Jacob Zuma, is attending the State Capture Commission, also known as the Zondo Commission. Uh, we heard him on Friday outside the Randburg Magistrates Court, uh, him speaking to the media saying, we'll see how it goes, uh, with a bit of a chuckle at the end there, uh, when he was asked uh, whether his lawyers will be making a showing at this commission today. And then there was a little bit of a uh, dispute at the beginning of this gathering whether uh, the president should actually be making submission today. But actually, we're at a point where now um, the president or the former president of the country is actually um, is testifying before the commission. Let's listen to him right here and listen to what he had to say this morning as he started his testimony. Firstly, Chair, I've got some flu, <coughs> so my voice is up and down. Well, I had, I had flu from Thursday, so, but I think I'm fine now. <laughs> yes. Chair, you will uh, realize that uh, me as an individual, I've been a subject of talk in this country for more than a decade I've been vilified alleged to be the king of corrupt people I'm the most corrupt I've been uh, given every other name and I'd never responded to those issues firstly because I believe it is important that we all respect one another, that we must say things we know about other people, not just tell things that we cannot prove. This has been my nature as I grew up and I joined the ANC in my early age. In addition to the teachings from my own homestead and my parents, I also <coughs> got taught in the ANC to behave in a particular way. And I have paid for my activities in the ANC, including going to prison, serving a term of 10 years. At some point, I had to leave my country to go out. And in the process, the ANC gave me different responsibilities at all material times <clears throat> that I have been uh, active and participating 
then founding myself finally in the leadership of the ANC. Well, as you could hear there, that's the voice of the former president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma, as he is standing before the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture. And there at the beginning of his uh, testimony there, he's actually speaking around the fact that there's a, a conspiracy around him. And that's a very interesting viewpoint because that's a narrative that has been around the present that he's created around himself for, for many years, especially we know even during the time that he was deputy president of the country. But let's get into this conversation. We've got Levindor back in our uh conversations once again here on our program. He's a political analyst based at the Tswana University of uh, uh, Technology. We also have Elvis Masoha, who's another political analyst joining us on the show. And Christine Buta is the manager for the Center for Constitutional Rights. So all of them are with us today to help us on, on this. But let me start with you, Christine, and because we know that the terms of reference for the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture, one of them are to investigate the present of the country at the time, which was uh, Jacob Zuma, who also initiated this process under the recommendations of the public protector. Uh, so it was to investigate him himself, whether he's implicated into state capture. I mean, we're a year in, into this particular process. Um, do you think that the linkages that have been made to Jacob Zuma so far are interesting and are cemented into some form of factuality? Uh, because so far we've heard the president speak around a conspiracy around him, Christine. Hi, good morning, Benjamin. Nice to chat to you this morning, and thank you for having me. So I think it's very important, like you said, to go back to your terms of reference for the State Capture Commission. And as the Deputy Chief Justice said um, when he started this morning, he reminded everyone, this is not a criminal trial. This is a fact-finding investigation, and the purpose is to make recommendations, and which is guided by a public protector's report. And if you go back to the terms of reference, um, it's quite wide. Um, you know, there's various aspects which should be investigated. But one of the first ones relate to um, whether the president um, played any role in the alleged office of cabinet positions, as we as we know, as we've heard um, evidence being given, whether any attempts made or choosing to influence members of the national executive, um, and also did the president or national executive play any role in this regarding. Um, corruption and the warding of tenders. So there's very specific terms of reference which relate to it. And just going back to what Deputy Chief Justice said, mm. it's not a criminal trial. Okay. So the fact is he Mr. Zuma, our former president, has been implicated um, by evidence and statements given by witnesses. We've heard we've seen the statement of Tema Maseko, Faiki Mentor, Mr. Lane, former Minister of um, Finance, Mr. Praveen Gordan, um, uh, Barbara Hogan as well, former Minister of Public Enterprises, and um, former Minister of Police as well, specifically directly linking the President. And these statements, because he is implicated mm. in these statements, need to be answered. So in terms of um, how the Judicial Commission of Inquiry is specifically regulated, obviously by regulations and its rules for a procedure, and implicated people are given an opportunity to respond in writing. So this has happened specifically in Mr. Zuma's case as well now. Now, it was interesting, I don't know if you heard this morning, Mr. Zuma's um, legal counsel mm. has been saying, well, 
he started off by saying, you know, uh, relating to a correspondence and uh, so basically he was asked end of April to appear because he specifically implicated, implicated in various um, statements and evidence given, as I said. And, he's, and, and um, his legal counsel has argued and said, well, you know, um, in terms of your rules, mm. you, you, you know, um, you have to inform a person mm. and a person has, has an option to elect to challenge it or to, to, um, to ask to cross-examine it and or elect not to do anything. So mm-hmm. that was his first one. And he said, for all fairness, um, so this is one of the big narratives which is also played in the media, um, you know, Mr. Zuma should have been given all the questions he would have specifically been mm-hmm. asked. And he argues, his legal counsel, you know, he says, well, um, there's a possibility that he might oust people and he doesn't know what his client will all say now. Uh, it might be problematic for himself and there's a risk and a danger to it. But if you go... You know, it sounds, it sounds, um, what he says, you know, it's, it's, it's very dramatic, but if you mm. actually go to the rules and you look at the regulations of um, the Judicial Commission of Inquiry, it specifically says, you know, a chairperson, um, you know, Deputy Chief Justice has a right to direct mm. any person against whom allegations have been made to respond to in the writing. And it specifically protects people as well, witnesses giving evidence. Okay. The regulation specifically says, any self-incriminating evidence and um, may not be used in any criminal proceedings against mm. that person unless, uh, you know, the charge of perjury, and so, because remember he's giving evidence also on sure. earth now. So, I mean, that definitely, that already protects a president in one way, or former president, I mean. And secondly, when his counsel said, well, you know, you don't know who he's going to oust, you know, who might be implicated, but again, the rules say if a person is implicated in a witness's evidence, um, the chairperson might, might may direct that person to respond to those allegations. Yeah. So okay. It's, so that's important just mm-hmm. from from a procedural aspect. Thank you so much, uh, Christine, because you're highlighting some questions that I wanted to pose even later into the program, and I think you gave us a, a lot of context uh, in terms of you know the processes to where we are, where the president, the former president, I keep saying the president, but the former president of South Africa um, is standing before the State Capture Commission. Let me come to you, Elvis, in terms of your thoughts, because we've seen a lot of witnesses actually taking the stand and, and linking uh, the former president president to two um, cases of state capture. We know the uh, GCIS head, Temba Maseko, uh, speaking around the issue of helping the Guptas. Uh, we know that we also had um, Barbara Hogan speaking about the appointment of Siabonga Kama at Transnet and the retainment of CEO Jacob Marocha at ESCOM. We know the very divisive relationship that uh, uh, the former president had with the Minister of Public Enterprises, Pravin Kordan, who also testified before the commission. There's so many issues we can speak about. Vatterkloof, Bosasa, ANN7, and also the issue of uh, the nuclear deal with Russia. When it comes to the, all these cases that have been brought forward, what, are, what have been your thoughts a year in around all these issues that have been linked to the former president? Yeah, you know... Firstly, let me greet my fellow panelists and all the listeners. Firstly, let me articulate that in light of all of these blistering allegations and accusations that were leveled against 
Jacob Zuma in his capacity as then head of state uh, from 2009 up until uh, 2018. I start to develop a very vicious worry as a citizen and again even as a political analyst to say, here, are we talking about a former head of state who was having a fuller grasp of the official responsibilities that beset him as a state president. Because when you listen to different witnesses who appeared before the State Capture Commission, you know, outlining how directly or indirectly the president was involved with regard to, like, the looting of state resources, the malfeasance that beset different parastatals, the seizing of taxpayers' money. So you, 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 you come to a conclusion that maybe the problem is not necessarily uh, the state capture itself, but a, a situation whereby we had the state president who was not quite, who was quite unfamiliar with the actual official responsibilities of a head of state. Because every time the media interviewed Jacob Zuma when he was still a president, in light of those allegations, Zuma will persistently refute any association between himself and the looting of the state, despite the fact that there was a clear substantive presentation to prove the otherwise. For example, even Zuma himself publicly admitted that there is a personal and friendly relation between himself and the Guptas. At one point, even Zuma said he's very thankful of the Guptas because he helped some of his family members. The implication was that it's not wrong for his government to, to be nice to the Guptas. So I'm afraid. We, we are dealing with a former head of state who did not have a fuller grasp and apprehension mm. of what was expected of him as a head of state. Mm. Well, Even right now mm. when you are listening to him, if you follow the preface of his presentation mm. to the State Capture Commission, you get a sense that uh, Jacob Zuma is far much detached from what is expected of him in terms of his presentation today. Because whether we like it or not, there is no any amount of political history that can clarify the allegations mm. that are leveled against him. Because these allegations were never historical. How he joined the ANC, how he went to exile, how he went to Robben Island, how he pursued the liberation struggle of the ANC is materially irrelevant mm. to the questions and to the testimonies that were presented by different witnesses before the State Capital Commission. And I, I'm, I'm surprised. Why should the senior counsel allow him to of do the so, State yeah. Capital Commission allow Jacob Zuma mm. to go through the historical memory lane that has got nothing to do mm. with the allegations of State Capital? I think it's a unnecessary wastage. Mm. of the commission's time and energy. Okay, I'm going to bring in Levindo after this, uh, after the break, because I think both of you, Christine and Elvis, 
they come from different viewpoints here. Um, there, Alves characterizing former President Jacob Zuma as a man who really never understood his seat as, as president and probably uh, didn't understand the muscle behind his influence and power. And there, Christine highlighting the facts and the context around him appearing before the court and the fact that there has been some resistance with Zuma's representation saying the, 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 the manner in which he should stand before the court. And that was even argued minimally even this morning before the court. I'd like Levindo to try balance that particular viewpoints that are coming from both of our guests because that should be put to the test. The fact that uh, former President Jacob Zuma didn't even understand his seat and probably used his power maybe uh, for his own advantage, that still needs to be proven. But that should be put to the test, as was highlighted by Christine. We'll deal with that after this break as we come back with uh, Mr. Uh, Levindo. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Friday at 800 to 900 Central African time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. And right now we are looking at the big event that is taking place. First time a year later, uh, the president of uh, uh, the former president of South Africa, uh, Jacob Zuma, appearing before the Commission of Inquiry into the state capture matter. And let me come to you, Mr. Levindo. I know I have limited time with you, but in terms of contextualizing this issue, he's already politicizing it, uh, the former president, Jacob Zuma the whole matter why is in front of uh, uh, this particular commission but what was highlighted by Christine also kind of counteracts his approach because um, the whole uh, commission actually defends him if there's anything uh, this commission is for uh, Jacob Zuma to prove his innocence Good morning to you Benjamin, good morning uh, to my colleagues and indeed a very good morning to the listeners out there It's very important um, for South Africa to have a clear uh, version from former President Zuma. Um, What is very, very important is for him to be able to take everybody on board in order to understand whether the things that are said to have happened under his presidency, he participated or he was aware and what action did he take. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised with the approach that former President Zuma is taking at the commission. Some would say it's indeed time-wasting, and it is not necessary. 
I'm not surprised, and I repeat, because former President Zuma has always or has a very good strategy of playing um, a, a victim. And what he's, I think he's trying to do is actually to narrate a story that says that amongst all the things that have happened, whether they were wrong or right, there has always been a group of people that wanted him to be removed or that did not want him to leave his part of the ANC and South Africa. And what he's actually trying to do in, at his best is to isolate himself from all the other things that have happened and be seen as someone that is being hated, that is being victimized, that has never been loved. But what is very important for me is for him to indicate to all of us whether he was an active participant on matters of corruption, because that is why this uh, uh, commission has been established. What South Africans would love to hear is the extent in which President Zuma, President Zuma's relationship with the Guptas mm. had on taking some important decisions for South Africa. And I hope to hear uh, President Zuma coming into that. I expect to hear President Zuma saying, it is not true that the Gupta family had an influence on me in executing my responsibilities. Mm. And these are the reasons why. I expect President Zuma to say, I met with the Gupta brothers and they advised me on what I should do as the President of the Republic. That is exactly what we actually need to hear Mm. from President Zuma. The history that President Zuma is presenting to, to us ever since he started is not something new. Everybody has heard about these stories. We've been following political developments in South Africa and in the ANC. And I think I would expect him to focus mainly on why the commission has been established and where his name is mm-hmm. actually being mentioned. You know, Christine, let me come back to you in terms of that point that's been made by Levin Ndo, the fact that there has to be a separation here into this kind of a historical narrative because this issue of uh, state capture is one that is actually exploring the happenings in the post-democratic era. How important is it that the commission be careful in uh, the collating of those two areas? And sometimes that has been historically something that can actually, where people miss the point of why things are actually happening, because sometimes these things can be um, distractions. Yes, um, but you know, I think you pointed out it could be a distraction. I think that we have to go back again to the terms of a commission, a terms and references, sure. saying, you know, which is guided by a public protective report. So we're not going back to, I mean, there's definitely been corruption in history as well. But I mean, there's definitely a timeline, specific timeline, which we, we look at corruption and influences of um you know, specific instances which need to be investigated by the commission. I think the commission is allowing the president um, the prerogative to say you say, you know, as, as a basis of courtesy as well. I mean, he's been invited to to um, to respond to his uh, to his specific allegations. So I think you know, allowing him to say you say, and we will start actually um, um, specifically looking at the statements and evidence as well, and asking him questions about it and. Which is interesting. I mean, uh, questions aren't restricted um, 
he, he doesn't know what's coming. He mean, he's obviously in the scene with his statements and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can ask him any question unless there's, there's a limit if it falls under privilege in terms of our commissions act. Sure. Um, and that's a very specific, very narrow limitation. So I think it's just for now, it's just, you know, just being uh, it's out of out of courtesy. But I think it's important for the public not to be confused and to remember, you know, this term commission is directed of guided by a public protective support, which has a limitation of, um, you know, what specifically is being investigated, what corruption. Mm. And and coming back to you, Levindor, before I come to Mr. Masoha is. The fact that I wanted to know in terms of looking at past um, evidence against Jacob Zuma, the fact that I don't know if we had any physical paper, tra- paper trail that implicated the, the president to state capture. Most of the stuff to me, from my own layman's viewpoint, was hearsay. Oh, someone said the president said this. Oh, the president said this to me. Or that it was almost kind of out of record kind of referencing. And it's things that you can't really put and, and have a physical material evidence behind them. Um, am I wrong? And if I am right to a certain degree, what does that do to this type of evidence that's been brought forward implicating the former president? Benjamin, I think it's very important that um, all of us should not underestimate former President Zuma. Former President Zuma has been heading the intelligence of the ANC for a very, very long time. And he would make sure that if there is any kind of information that has the potential of incriminating him, that information is not recorded or that information should, uh, should not be found in the public space. The reason being that uh, on numerous occasions there would not be formal meetings that are held where you'll get the secretariat or get someone taking minutes and, and, and all those formalities that are associated with that. And in, in some instances, you'd hear people saying, I went and I met with the president and this is what he told me. Mm. And those, some of those things will be done in a very informal setup. But what would be the reason for that? The reason for that is that corrupt people or participants in a corrupt activity are very much strategic and much clever in order to ensure that whatever they do cannot be easily traced because they would not want to be exposed. And that is why in a number of uh, uh, revelations that we're getting, you don't get formalized activities or formalized meetings that took place. And what would that mean? It would mean that if you need documents or if you need uh, 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 meetings that took place, the possibility is you might not get any of those. Because when people are embarking on corrupt activities, they are very, very careful. They cannot have such kind of information mm-hmm. written down in that manner. But what then would be the implication? The implication might be that some people might then be left in the march because they were actually being given instructions from elsewhere. And part of the information that we're getting now is that there, should also, there could also be a possibility where some people 
would actually embark on certain activities in the name of the president. Maybe the president will be aware or unaware because the government at the time or institutions of government at the time when President Zuma was in power were so weak to deal with corrupt activities that it was easy for anybody to Uh, get involved uh, in corrupt activities. Well, Mr. Levindu, thank you for giving us your time on that. I'm going to come to you, Elvis, on the very same question, and I'd like Christine to speak on that particular point because I think it's a very interesting way in terms of the the kind of facts that have been presented uh, before um, the the commission. What what made things very interesting for me is when I also heard uh, the the witness of Bruce Golwani's testimony, where he was denying Zuma's involvement with the scandal, which was kind of created this kind of narrative whereby, um, you know, are these statements true? Are they not true? Are people just using the former president's name just uh, to get things for themselves done or because they also have political um, intentions? It's very confusing. But I'll deal with that after the break. Tune into Vision 2030 with Una Pateke and Tabila Masugu, the new show revolving around the Sustainable Development Goals and Agenda 2030. Every Tuesday, 10 to 11 a.m. Central African Time. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Channel Africa One. Hashtag Vision 2030. Hey, you are listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Moshatama. I'm not alone on this particular program. I've just been left by Levin Doe, who was with us, giving us some political analysis. Alongside him is also Mr. Elvis Masoch, a political analyst, and we also have Christine Puerta, who's been giving us a very good uh, outline, especially around uh, the terms of references uh, regarding uh, the former president in this uh, state capture process. Elvis, what are your thoughts uh, when it comes to the question that I posed to, to Levendor. The fact that n- none of this, some of this doesn't have pepper trail to it. It's just people saying, hey, the president said this. Hey, I met at the president at this particular venue. Hey, someone told me that the president wants this to, us to do this uh, in, in this particular department. Uh, does that make things more complicated for uh, the commission? Uh, Benjamin, not necessarily. Hmm. Uh, because we, maybe we need to understand the constitutional design of our government superstructure. Uh, the, president, the, the, the position of a state president has been designed in a way that it will induce honesty and loyalty to the republic. That's why whenever a new president has been elected and inaugurated, he or she must take an oath to say that I swear that I shall be faithful and loyal uh, to the Republic of South Africa. So the element of, you know, loyalty, uh, honesty, and faithfulness are always there. So there is always an expectation that whenever a president communicates any way to a cabinet minister or to any senior government official, such instruction or order must be within uh, the precincts of faithfulness to the Republic of South Africa. Because when you are listening to different witnesses Mm. uh, testifying that uh, I was at a particular place, the president was there instructing me or somebody, 
to create some financial and economic benefits for the Gupta family. Somebody saying, as a former minister, the president once instructed me to create some financial or economic benefits for a Gupta brother or the Gupta family. So it gives you a clear indication that here we are faced with tons of accusations Mm -hmm. against a president who was preferring his own personal, you know, preferences over what is good for government and the state. And to agree with Levindo, uh, to say that, yes, at times, because we were living in a, in a mafia state during Zuma's presidency. South Africa became a mafia state, whereby people who are associated with the president can just cause any harm to our economy, can just seize and loot from parastatals and other departments of government without any consequences. And you ask yourself, if indeed President Jacob Zuma can claim ignorance of the state capture project, then what did he do as a president of a Republic of South Africa to protect the well-being of the country? He never acted. He never took any action against the Guptas. He never took any actions against people who were looting the state. So it means the president was part and parcel of the state capture crop project, even though he can deny it before the state capture commission. But there is reasonable evidence based on lack of any decision on the part of the president to act that indeed the president was part and parcel Mm. of the state capture because he did nothing at a time when South Africans expected the president to act when South Africa was being looted. Mm. And the last aspect, Benjamin, are you still having time? I'm still there. Just give me one minute. I want to get the final sentiments and the same question from Christine. But just give us uh, uh, your final statement there in that regard. Yeah, the last aspect... Go ahead, go ahead. Can I, can I go ahead, Elvis. Four things. The last aspect I want to say is that here we are dealing with a state capture commission that has got terms of reference. And the leading term of F reference is that we want to investigate how between 2009 and 2018 how our own state was looted. So President Jacob Zuma and his legal team must confine mm. their responses to that particular term of reference because anything else mm. will be okay. a transgression of the terms of reference of the State Capture Commission. Okay, Christine, what, what are your sentiments? That question that I posed both to, to Levy and also Elvis, I, I'd love to give it to you as well because they also gave me two different answers. They, they, they link somewhere, but they're very different. What are your thoughts around uh, the types of facts that have been brought forward um, and the fact that there's little pepper trail to prove it? Yeah, I think you point out a, it's a very relevant question, um, a manner of evidence being presented. I mean, a fact, for instance, such as a payment, the cash payment has been made to your Jacob Zuma Foundation. I mean, that is a good piece. Um, Testimony. Yeah, sure. That's very difficult. Just hold on there for me as we deal with that line. I think we lost Elvis there. Uh, but you can continue, okay, sorry, Christine. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
it's definitely it's a it's a difficult um it is definitely a difficult aspect of this um state capture of commission um of the inquiry. It's looking at evidence presented. I mean, there is rules participate say, you know, like an, a chairperson can call for documents and for any person giving evidence to, to produce such a document. Mm. Um but to, to make it perhaps more to give you a bit more um, insight into, I mean, there are direct instances where the president is implicated in statements. I mean, Timbo Maseka has said the president has called him. That he, st- you know, after um, um, just before he was supposed, before Ajay Gupta asked him to meet him, mm. he received a call from the president's office, and the president said to him, "Please help the Gupta guys." So, I mean, I can specifically. There's, you know, you need a response from a former president in that regard. Mm. Um, there's very specific instances where there's direct links to how the minister um, acted, how the president acted. You know, it's more indirect, his manner, what, did he, what he allowed to do. I mean, he didn't, so, you know, so, manner how so. he um, treated Mr. Pavin Gordon, um, how the Hawks um, treated him and he didn't interfere. And... There's various aspects which will make it a bit more difficult, with more indirect, but there are definitely direct instances you'd be able to to get an answer. We need to get an answer from him. But regarding your paper trial, it is definitely um, it's a problem. It's a it is a especially when it comes to following money, um, and it is a, a clear concern. And, and and in that, you know, you're speaking about that indirect uh, implication. Um, how can the commission navigate itself around that particular matter? Because those indirect situations are sometimes the the pivotal ones. Um, so you know, you're guided again by the constitution and various laws, such as the Public Finance Management Act, sure. um, governing how um, ministers should act, and the fact how he, he how he interfered in the sure. appointment process of yeah. you know transfer chairperson, and, and despite having um, you know those various council's opinions submitted by Barbara Hogan to him, and he didn't respond to it. So there is a constitutional duty as an indirect. Um, Reliance, you know, he didn't act as in terms of the constitution or laws. And you need to hear his side and his understanding of it. And because, I mean, there's a specific um, allegation made, you know, we presented you with these opinions. This is what the law said, and you specifically interfered and said, well, you know, um, until the disciplinary hearing of um, Gama is done, mm-hmm. no appointment should be made. Why? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we that answers mm-hmm. um, would be, yes, South Africa's hunger for it. It's hungry for, for some answers. And I think we hungry for accountability. But again, my, in conclusion, we need to be reminded of what the purpose is of the State Capture Commission. We are not, it's not a criminal trial yet today. Well, thank you so much, um, Christine, for giving us your time. I Hopefully, I'll get you back on the show as we move into this testimony, probably at the end of this testimony, because I think it's going to take a couple of days. But thank you for giving us your time. I really appreciated your constitutional you so aspect much. of looking at things. Colleagues. Sure, thank that's you. Christine Puerta, Manager of the Center for Constitutional Rights. Thanks as well to the two po- uh, political analysts joining us, Levin Doe. 